Uh, we move on in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to, this is going to be, this is my 11th sermon, our 11th sermon out of Matthew chapter 6, which shows you how slow we've been going, but just hang on because we're going to cover six verses today and you might get whiplash. <laughs> so, so true story, we had a tug of war, I was making a point, and so we took the whole class outside, had a rope. And I looked through the group of young men, and I picked two guys who were, were very even in size and build. And I put them on opposite sides of the tug-of-war. And everybody's saying, let me, let me, let me. And, and I was like, no, no, no. I want these two guys. And, and they performed perfectly. They didn't know they were performing, but they did. Because they pulled and strained for all their might and could not pull the other guy over. They were just clearly too evenly matched. But I had a plan because I had William Victor right here. And William's not here today. I'm like, man, I want him to be here today. Uh, and, and he's standing here. Now, I just want you to know his name is Will, and his name is Victor. <laughs> no more perfect setup ever happened. I said, William, you are free to choose either side. Pick them and help. And his hardest point was deciding who he was going to help. Because once he went over, boom, they just pulled the other guy right over. Lesson about the power of free will. <laughs> Which is what it was designed to illustrate. <laughs> like I say, I will never have an opportunity like that again. Uh, because, you know, that, that was a one and done. It's not happening again. We have... The, this kind of tug of war in our lives often where, where there is two, there are two sides pulling. And, and I want to tell you, the side you throw your will behind is the side that will win. It's, it's just, this isn't rocket science. This is stuff that Steve can handle, right? Uh, and in particular, we come to the area of money, finances. Will I serve God or money? God or wealth? Or if you are old school, God or mammon? And the answer is, the one you choose to throw your will behind is the side that will win. Uh, this war is not won accidentally. It's not won by who knows what. It's won by your will. You have to choose which one you will serve and throw your will behind it. And so today we're going to look at a comparison between two treasures, earthly and heavenly. We're going to look at the importance of what we look at, because this has this strange section in the middle that, that can throw you if you're not watching for it uh, and, and don't get it. And then, and then at, uh, that the, the one we will serve is our master. So let me read through the passage first, and then we'll come back and look at it. Jesus is speaking. This is all red letter. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and, and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You have to make a choice. Let's start with comparing treasures. Treasure on earth. I just want to start with this. Treasure is fun, isn't it? Anybody here as a child ever try to find treasure? 
I should say, is there anyone here as a child did not ever try to find treasure? Maybe a girl? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, because boy, when we do that, what kid doesn't think at some time or another of digging up buried treasure? It's just, it's just fun. And even Jesus used that illustration. It's such a prevailing thing that we go back 2,000 years and Jesus used it in another passage. I'm going to skip ahead seven chapters to Matthew 13, verse 44, and listen to what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Now, I don't know if this guy is a genius or a scoundrel, but he came along. He somehow found buried treasure. He realized if he came out with that treasure, it's not his. So he buried it back up, went and sold everything he had to buy that field, and came back and bought the field. And look at this, I discovered treasure. <laughs> you go, wow. It's like, I don't know. If, if I, it's like, like, I don't know if he's a scoundrel or a, or, a, or a genius. It's like, maybe he's a genius scoundrel. But, but Jesus is pulling it. He's, he's using that desire we have. We have this natural want for treasure. It's just something we're born with. We want it. But this is different because Jesus isn't ta- talking about finding treasure. In, in the, he is in Matthew 13, but not in Matthew 6. He's not talking about finding treasure, but accumulating treasure. The treasure we accumulate, the treasure we build up. You know, it's, it's one thing. You have to get old, some, at least for some of us. Maybe those of you who are smart figured this out while you were young, but I didn't figure it out till my hair was gray. And I go, oh, you accumulate wealth over the course of your life. It builds up, and then you have it if you do it right. <laughs> so kids, do it right. Uh, but you, you accumulate it. You gain wealth. You gain value. You have this because you have built it up. And Jesus is talking about where are you building up your treasure? Are you accumulating treasure to have on this earth, or are you accumulating treasure to have in heaven? Which one is it? Because treasure on earth has its problems, right? He says treasure on earth, well, Short version, treasure on earth lacks security, right? Where moth and rust destroy. Now, we all know we can fix that, right? Mothballs are a thing of the past. Anybody still have mothballs? Anybody remember mothballs? Boy, you know what? It's like, it's like, yeah, it keeps the moth away. <laughs> it keeps the girls away too. You know, <laughs> those things were powerful. They knock you out. It just smell is, is woomph and, 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 and moths. So when you had clothes that moths wouldn't eat, moths would eat, the mothballs kept them away. And now, uh, you know, it's, I guess we just don't have wool clothing that moths want. I, I don't know what it is, but, 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 uh, moths didn't <laughs> go near the mothballs. So we protected it that way. Uh, so we can fix the, the whole moth-eating thing, and then where the rust decay, well, just get stainless steel, you know? Put some paint on that thing. You'll coat it with something, and the rust won't get there. We can, you know, get invest in gold. Gold doesn't rust. And so you have all this way of protecting your security in heaven. And then there's insurance, right? Insurance protects you from these things. So, so their problems, they're not, these problems he's talking, those aren't problems because we can plan around them, right? Uh, so moth and rust, we got that fixed, Lord, thank you, but we're, I'm not worried about it. Uh, but they're symbolic of other things, right? He says moth and rust, but I don't think it's hard for us to say, say, say that if we have moths figured out and we have rust figured out that we're okay and this doesn't apply to us. He's talking about what happens in life, entropy, 
right? One of the things God established when he made this world is the, the laws of thermodynamics, and entropy happens. Everything wears out. Everything erodes. Everything decays, and, and things get old and wear out and break down, and so entropy happens, and, and that other evil thing happens Inflation. <laughs> so that that dollar you saved back in the 80s, <laughs> it's worth about 30 cents. <laughs> wow, I'm so glad I saved that. Uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's just worth less than the interest that, 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 than what you get for it. The interest you pay is high. The interest you get is low. And, and moth and rust still destroy, right? We can say, well, I've got moths covered. I've got rust covered. But, but no, we don't have them covered. We may have those two. Uh, symbols of the, the loss of value, of the ruining of our possessions. But we don't have that figured out. We don't have that fixed. It still happens today, right? Thieves break in and steal. They steal your money. They steal your jewelry. They steal your car, right? <laughs> uh, they steal your sense of confidence and security and well-being. Treasure on earth, the thing about treasure, we like it. It gives you a sense of security. Look at my bank account. Look at my possessions. Look at my, my, my wealth. And you have this sense of security that's going to protect you. Uh, it, it gives us a sense of security, but that security, that sense can be utterly destroyed. Read the book of Job. You don't have to read the book of Job. Read Job chapter 1. That's all you got to read. There's 42... 42, 41 chapters, a lot of chapters in Job, right? All you have to do is read one, chapter one, and you find out that that, that sense of security you have, that what looked like you had it fixed and you were set for life can be taken in a day, right? Uh, the, it, the, the thieves break in and steal, moth and rust destroy, and there is no security in the treasures of this world. But the treasures in heaven? No entropy. No entropy. Things won't break down. Things won't wear out. I'm wondering, how in the world is that going to work? I mean, you build your house, and then it's built for all eternity. You never need to re-roof it. You know, you never need to repaint it. You, ne you never need to do anything with it. It's just built. It's like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> it's like, I'm sure God's got it figured out, but things don't get old. They don't wear out. They don't decay. And rust will be this weird, distant memory. I mean, picture, I picture conversations in heaven 20,000 years from now. Hey, you remember rust? Rusty. Yeah, I remember rusty. No, not rusty. <laughs> rust. Rust. Jog my memory. Help me out. <laughs> you know, you know when, when metal got, got weak and, and corroded, corroded, corroded. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's going to be so different in heaven. Rust will not happen. Moths will not happen. Thieves, who is going to break in and steal? We were watching something on TV the other day, and this guy said, uh, um, of course you don't do something. That would be like leaving your car keys out where your kids could get at them. And Joan and I looked at each other. We thought, guess we did that wrong. <laughs> you know, four grown kids never stole our car, <laughs> never took it without asking, never, never was a problem. Our keys are always right there, right? And I don't know what your house is like. It's like, it was never a problem. Uh, those people, it was like, of course you wouldn't let your kids have a chance, kids have a chance to take the car. It's like, Raise kids that won't steal your car. <laughs> it's, it's like, come on, I, I don't understand that. But, but, uh, the, but that's heaven. There's no thieves. Now, by the way, just so you know, 
in my house, we, we leave money out. We don't think about it. We don't, you know, we just put it in convenient places and we'll set it there and leave it and pick it up in a week or two when we need it again. And it's always there. We, we've never had a problem. I didn't grow up in that house. <laughs> I was the one. I, I was the one who would say, oh, look at that. <laughs> Free money. Nobody had a name on it. Nobody had a claim. Losers, finders, weepers, losers, keepers. And that was my way of life, right? I didn't grow up like that, but my kids grew up like that. And, and, and you don't have to worry. Heaven, we don't have to worry about, worry about it. Nobody will, there won't be anybody who would think of stealing from you. The nothing will be taken. It, there is just no way to compare how much better treasure in heaven is than he, treasure on earth. And, and, and add to that that whole eternity thing, you know? And, 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 and it's like, how do you compare treasure on earth with treasure in heaven? And yet, that tug of war for the heart is so real. The, the, because we see this treasure on earth, and we don't see the treasure in heaven. And we like the treasure on earth, and we're pretty sure we'll like the treasure in heaven, <laughs> right? It's, 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 it's not real to us until we get there. Uh, we, we can trust, we can assume, but, but it's not there. And so the question is, which treasure do you treasure, right? Look at verse 21. Um, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart both follows what you treasure and reveals what you treasure. And if you're like me, your heart reveals a tug-of-war. Your heart reveals that there are two sides pulling for its loyalty and for its love. And I'll just tell you the truth. What you say about this means very little. What you say is where your treasure is, what you say is what you value, doesn't say much at all. With our words, we can deceive ourselves into thinking what I've said is true. But, but there's this thing called push comes to shove. <laughs> when when you're, you're proven to prove what you say is true, don't protest too quickly that your priorities are right. Don't say, oh yeah, I've got that figured out. I mean, you, you, you maybe you do, but don't be too quick with it. Uh, this verse is both a straightforward tr tr truth where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But it's also a diagnostic tool. Where your heart is, that's what you treasure. And your heart will tell you when opportunity comes to pit one against the other. And so it might be different ways. It might be an opportunity for dishonest gain, right? If you say, but the gain is so great, it's worth it, so I will be dishonest. And you've just told yourself, I treasure the wrong treasure. Uh, your, your heart has given you away. But if you say, no, I wouldn't take that because it's not legal, then you've shown your, where you treasure is what you treasure. Uh, there's, there's different ways we can do this kind of thing. Uh, the, it's a diagnostic tool, and sometimes some things reveal our hearts to us. And, and don't be surprised. Don't be surprised sometime when something happens and it, it just comes to confront you and you realize, I have been treasuring the wrong thing. Because God tends, by the, just in case you think you're perfect on this issue, <laughs> you're probably not. You may be. You may have got this one mastered, but you're probably not there. And at some point, something will happen in your life, and it will be face-to-face -face with you, and you will realize, oh, no, I have been treasuring this money, this asset, this thing, more than I've been treasuring God. It has taken a greater priority in my life than God has. Uh, and God reveals these things over time. And when it happens, throw your will into it. 
Because without your will, you will go the wrong way. But if you throw your will into it, you will make the right decision, unless your will is directed completely wrong. And so he goes into this thing about good and bad eyesight. And you go, what's that got to do with anything? The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Did Jesus not understand how our eyes work? Did he think that when light came in, it just went, you know, and illuminated everything on the inside? Did he not understand? The answer is, no, Jesus understood. <laughs> he, he, he is not dumb. He, he's, he's, he's not just giving us a physical first. He, he looks at our heart. Now he's looking at our eyes. He says, your knees will come next. Uh, he's using a practical statement of truth, and he's applying it to our situation. He's saying, here is a truth. Here is how it applies to the situation. He's not talking about how well we see, but what, what, what things we look at what we uh, value, how we view things. Uh, what lenses are you viewing the world through? Some of you took the, the love and respect class, you know, and men look through blue lenses and women look through pink lenses. And, and uh, I, I don't know if it changes. He, uh, what I really appreciated him, he just didn't say, men, you need to look through pink lenses. Because if he'd have done that, I'd have said, okay, I'm done with this guy. <laughs> he's, he's just wanting us to understand we see things differently sometimes. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. Well, the same thing happens with how we view treasure. Uh, because a lot of us, we view our treasure through these lenses that are green and gray. You know, like money. <laughs> green and gray. You know, 3D lenses, you put on the 3D lens, are they pink and blue? <laughs> you know, you're going to watch the 3D movie and you put on those lenses and it makes things pop out to you that you don't see otherwise. And so you go and rent Sharknado <laughs> or something where, you know, the shark jumps out the screen at you and you wet your pants. <laughs> it wasn't 3D. This is a story just for nothing. I went and saw Jaws when it first came out at the movie theater with cute little Debbie Myers. Didn't marry Debbie. <laughs> and, and there's the scene he's throwing the chum out the back of the boat and the shark comes out of the water and I went... <laughs> the whole theater was sitting. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I should say she didn't marry me. <laughs> but that's what 3D lenses do for you, right? Those weren't even 3D lenses. I don't have that excuse. But that's what they're supposed to do. They make certain things jump out at you, right? And, and you focus. You see things that you wouldn't see otherwise. And they take priority, and they become bigger than life. And they take uh, unreasonable priority. Uh, Proportion, that's the word I want. Unreasonable proportion. Well, when we look at the world through the lenses that value money, we're going to see things that feed that thinking. We are going to see the entire world in that way. And things will become disproportionately large and, and, and important to us that shouldn't be that way because they're not designed to be that way. And, and, and things will seem evident to you, and you don't understand why other people aren't getting it, why they don't understand, why they don't recognize what is so obvious to you, because you are seeing through those lenses of green and gray. And money is your focus, and you don't realize it. And the things that become your priority guide your life. And so you, you follow the direction your eyes give you. And if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness because your whole body follows the direction of your eyes, right? At nighttime, <laughs> at nighttime, when you're walking to the bathroom and you hope that the kids didn't sprinkle something painful in the way that you're going to step on with your bare feet, right? Because you can't see where you're going, 
because your vision is darkened. Uh, your whole eye, your whole body is full of darkness. It, the, the darkness affects your whole body, right? Everything follows where your eyes lead you. And when you see, you go around those things because it's there. So you have the, you have the green and gray glasses, but it, he says, that's if your eye is, is dark. If your, if, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Uh, but first he says, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. And you see where you're going and you see properly and well. And you make right decisions because everything's in proper proportion the way it is in reality. Right? The, they see things that they see the same things the colored lenses see, right? The, 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 the 3D doesn't make you see things that you didn't see otherwise. It just makes things pop out in disproportion to everything else from what they were otherwise. Uh, the the, the, the lens, normal lenses lets you see everything in exact, proper, real proportion. If your eye is full of light, the whole body is full of light. It walks according to the light. The color lenses make some things disproportionately important. The clear vision puts things in the right place. If your, body is full, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? how much you see things badly because your actions will follow what, you, what your vision says is important. What we treasure determines how we look at things. If we treasure the wrong things, we will look at the wrong things. If we treasure the wrong things, we will be seeing badly because we will interpret everything through the lens of what we think is important. We will be making wrong decisions based on wrong values. If you're very presuppositions are wrong, it is hard to think rightly. It's hard to build well on bad presuppositions, your basis of choosing things. So he says, you choose who, you, who your master will be. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or God and wealth is what he says here. You can't serve God to two masters. At some point, they're going to, to agree, or they're not going to agree, and you have to choose. This one or that one. One yells attack, the other yells retreat. <laughs> and you're in the middle. You have to choose. You've you got to go one way or the other. You're doing nothing. At that point, uh, it, it, when you're standing in the middle, you accomplish nothing. You serve neither. But you choose one to serve, and you obey that master. And that master will be pleased with you, and the other will not. Uh, you can only choose one or the other. And he uses, he uses strong words. Listen to this again. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, love and hate are obvious opposites. That's easy. Love, love one, hate the other. I cannot see the, the contrast in that. Devoted to and despise are a little less obvious. But with a little work, it, you find out it's a great thing. Imagine a married couple that despises each other. Talk about a miserable, unhappy marriage. They despise each other. Now picture a married couple that are devoted to each other. Wow, those are opposites. <laughs> those are really, really clear and powerful opposites, more powerful than love and hate. When you look at them and consider the opposites of what they are. Strong words. Jesus used strong words. And the problem we have 
is we seem to have the apparent ability to love both God and money. We seem to have the ability to place both up there as if they're valuable and important and we can serve both masters. Way to go, American Christianity. How is it that Jesus used such strong words of contrast, but we don't see a problem? Either Jesus is wrong or we are. And and the reason we can have that is because push hasn't come to shove. And and, and when I say that, I I find it actually hard to believe that push hasn't come to shove. Because God ignores none of us. And God loves all of us. And God is building each and every one of us all the time. And at some point, if he sees, he, he looks down, he says, Steve is uh, getting a little too cozy with money. He's going to give me an opportunity to prove it. An opportunity may not be the word you like, <laughs> but it'll be, an opportun- it'll be a chance to say, I will serve money or I will serve God. And I don't believe there's any way to choose that you will serve God over money that is not sacrificial. It will cost you something. Because if it doesn't, then you haven't proven anything. And we Americans have managed to live in a way where our faith doesn't seem to cost us anything. And if that is your faith, then there's something wrong with your faith. I'm not saying it needs to cost you something all the time. Uh, I want to be careful how I say that. You always want to be in a giving position. You want generosity to be part of your life. But I don't think it always has to be that sacrificial generosity where you're hurting yourself, where you you have to actually, you know, give up something or or, or lose something to do it. But, But I believe God does, for each of us, put that into our lives. Push does come to shove. And when it does, you will prove who is your master. When you say either... I have to give that up, I have to give up that money, I have to give up that raise, I have to give up that thing. Or you will say, I love you, Lord, but this, this isn't worth that to me, and I'm keeping my money, and I'm keeping my things. I'm, I'm, I'm letting money rule my life. And you will prove one way or the other. And I want to warn you something. Your default winner is money. God does not win this by default. Money wins this by default. Why can I say that? Because our world that we are living in is got the red and or the green and, and gray glasses. The world that we are living in knows no other basis of winning, of value. The world that we, the schools we go to, the training we get, the whole mindset of the world around us is make more money, get more money, trust your money. And because we are surrounded, we're swimming in a sea of this, that is what we are going to catch and live ourselves if we're not careful. I'm not saying there's anything wrong, by the way, with making more money. I like to make more money. It makes me happy. (laughs) But you see what I'm saying. The world does not have the ability to lay up treasure in heaven. 
That, that's not something the, the non-Christian can do. They do not have eyes that can see the value of that. They, they are that way. It, the world is built entirely around earthbound values because it knows nothing else. It's what we're taught. It's what our society models. And, and our natural desire to stuff is, is, is for stuff, and wealth becomes our master if we don't choose and throw our will into serving God first and making him most important. If God will be your master over money, you have to add your will to the fight. Because, you know, the, 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 we have two natures. Paul talks about, oh, wretched man that I am, I want to do good, but I don't do the good I want to do, but I do the bad I don't want to do. Who will deliver me from this uh, life of death, this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But he's describing the battle that's going on. And it's, and it's a battle. They call, it, they, they call it the two-dog theory. The dog that you feed the most is the one that's going to win the fight. <laughs> it's going to be the stronger dog. You know, throw your will into it, and you will the, the, the side you throw your will on will win. Far too many people, far too many Christians throw their will on the side of money. Uh, or they leave it to default. Instead, don't leave it up to your feelings. Don't leave it up to what feels right at the moment. Right? Have your values established. Have God there. Decide that God is your master and choose to serve him regardless of what that other master might say. And if it costs you money, if it causes you to lose wealth, you haven't lost that much. It's temporary anyway. It's fleeting. It rusts. It decays. It gets stolen. It gets lost. But if it costs you your relationship with God, that's a really high price to pay. And, and, and that has eternal value. And, and, and so I'm going to repeat what I said. In case you're not aware, push will come to shove. And more than once in your life, this is not a battle you win once and then it's over. Wouldn't that be nice? You will be put in a situation where God demands one thing and money deserves a, demands another. And you will have to choose, and choose rightly and throw your will into it, because only determination will see you through. Determine that you will serve God and not wealth. And in doing that, you will lay up treasures where they will truly prove they have value. And, and I, I, I just, my mind cannot grasp what that means, laying up treasures in heaven. Because heaven is heaven, right? If I get to heaven and I'm the lowest peon there, I'm still in heaven, right? It's like, how could I not be happy? I don't understand what more you gain by, by laying up treasure. I don't know how that works out in the course of eternity. But I know who does, and he says it's worth it. Lay your treasures up in heaven. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I praise you for this morning and, and your word. And, and Lord, I ask for each one of us to have that determination to put you first and serve you over money, to make you that big priority in our lives. Lord, let us honor you. Please win that battle in my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.